Resterney Radio presents Genesis, Volume 1 of Commentaries on the Pentateuch by Rusus John Resterney. Narrated by Jeremy Walker. Produced with permission by the Chalcedon Foundation. Chapter 8 The Temptation. Genesis 3 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know in that day that ye eat thereof. Then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant for the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Genesis 3, 1-6 The goal and the fundamental faith of Satan is clearly stated in Genesis 3, 5, quote, God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, or God, knowing good and evil, unquote. To submit to this temptation, Eve was told, and through her Adam, meant enlightenment, quote, then your eyes shall be opened, unquote. and understanding and growth shall be at least possible, if not quickly attained. Their status would be one of deity, the ultimate power or determination and definition. Humanity would then know good and evil, and to know means to establish or determine. Instead of an absolute and eternal moral law, all reality will be subject to the redefinition given to it by man. This autonomy would be the basic ingredient of their deity. The temptation was to autonomy from God, a declaration of independence from Him. This did not mean necessarily a rejection of God, nor a denial of His existence. God could still be a co-worker or another resource in the cosmos, or, if he proved troublesome, he could be rejected. This acceptance or rejection was a human option. Long before Arminius, Satan set forth the basic premise of Arminianism. Priority of choice and determination belongs to man, and God must see himself as a human resource, not as a sovereign. The false concept of the Church as the body of Christ as an extension of the Incarnation and a manifestation of both His deity and His humanity, means that salvation can be seen as deification. Very early in Church history, some very superior fathers of the Church fell into this trap. It was held, admittedly with variations of meanings, that, quote, God became man so that we might become gods, unquote, or, quote, men might become gods." Unquote. Chalcedon was a major obstacle to this notion. The thinkers whose works led to the Tome of Leo and the formula of Chalcedon in 451 AD were wiser than they knew, or than we appreciate. To block any role in the determination of things absolute has far-reaching implications. If men are not gods, then they have no right to determine 
what is law and morality, either as individuals or as institutions. Neither church nor state can see itself as a lawmaker. To do so is to usurp God's prerogative and to set itself up as God. As C.N. Cochrane pointed out in Christianity and Classical Culture, a key issue in the battle between Christianity and Greco-Roman philosophers was over determination. Greco-Roman thought placed determination within the realm of creation, whereas biblical thought set forth God's predestination. Men since Adam have insisted on being the lawmakers. They have insisted that the realm of contingency is the supernatural, not the natural, that God does not ordain things, but rather that man does. This belief has been, of course, basic to the modern age. The Enlightenment exalted reason into God's place. The respect for reason was not on the use of intelligence in human affairs, but on the priority and determinative power of reason over all things. God was hauled before the bar of reason to meet its inquisition, and the test of what is real or possible became reason. The ultimate order was the rational order. Hegel's thinking was the logical outcome. The rational is the real. Within the medieval church, the concept of the church as the extension of the incarnation led logically to the extravagant claims by lawyers and others from the papacy. Quote, the Pope can do whatever God can do. Unquote. The Pope assumed some aspects of a supernatural being. Quote, no longer man, not yet holy God. Unquote. And such had the symbols of quote, divine omnipotence. Unquote. What was claimed for the Pope were powers also exercised by emperors and kings who saw themselves as God's power on earth. The human lust for power led to an evasion of Chalcedon by the medieval and later churches and churchmen, because Chalcedon bars the door to man's enthronement as God and determiner. But we can understand neither man nor history apart from Genesis 3, 1-5. Man's lust to be his own God is the consuming passion of the sons of Adam. It is viewed as the great character of man's salvation and most civic institutions and too many churches should engrave it on lower walls, is clearly their standard. The tempter's starting point, which is commended to Eve, is skepticism. Quote, Yea, hath God said, verse 1. He assumes that the perspective of reason is to begin by questioning all things, including God. E.J. Carnell stated this position clearly. Quote, Bring on your revelations, let them make your peace with the law of contradiction and the facts of history, and they will deserve a rational man's assent. Unquote. Again, the tempter objects to any limitations being placed upon man. His question is, quote, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Unquote. Verse 1. Robert Young's literal rendering of this verse is, quote, Is it true that God hath said, you do not eat of every tree in the garden, unquote. The wording implies a vast forbidden realm rather than a great realm of freedom. The tempter not only confesses the issue, but his identity. Revelations 12.9 identifies him as the devil and Satan, and Revelations 22 confirms this. 
The words serpent and Rahab are identified in Job 26.12-13 and in Psalms 89.10 in particular, where Rahab is another name for Egypt. Serpent and Rahab mean enmity to God. All God's enemies agree in challenging the sovereignty and authority of God. When Eve cites God's statements that disobedience will introduce death into their lives, i.e. that the process of death will begin, the tempter promptly contradicts her, quote, Ye shall not surely die, unquote, verse 4. Death is no certainty. On the contrary, disobedience means not death, but illumination, quote, Your eyes shall be opened, unquote. It will be the beginning of wisdom, because you will then, having declared your independence from God, become, quote, as gods, or as God, knowing or determining for yourselves good and evil, unquote, verse 5. God wrongly claims the exclusive power to determine good and evil, to make laws, to establish morality. This monopoly will be broken by their rebellion. Eve then looked at the positive side of disobedience. The fruit of the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes, and it was to be desired to make one wise. She took it and ate it, and she gave it also to Adam to eat. Verse 6. Paul tells us that Adam was not deceived, although Eve was. 1 Timothy 2.14 Adam sinned with knowledge. He was perhaps weary of the hard work required by his dominion mandate. Any alternative seemed preferable, and he took it. Since then, man's original sin is his desire to be his own God. This colors every aspect of his being, so that he is totally depraved, i.e., his sin permeates all his being. He prefers his own word and law to God's word and law. Man relishes his own will while finding God's will repressive and hostile to his being. Fallen man reorders his life and world and all reality in defiance of God. He insists on a universe without God and his law, and any myth that denies God is science and wisdom to him. This is an aspect of man's dying. Quote, to be as God, unquote, is still as ever fundamental to man's being in his fallen estate. The modern state, by supplanting God's law with man's law, is playing God. In the Orthodox churches, salvation means deification, theosis. In the Roman Catholic Church, the church is the extension of the incarnation. Many Protestants, in speaking of the church as the body of Christ, mean therefore not his humanity, but his deity, or both his divinity and his humanity, which is false. Paganism is rife with ideas of self-deification. In Mormonism, or in the Church of Latter-day Saints, men become gods in the other world. The horrifying links that some go in this regard is seen in the self-styled prophet of the reorganized Church of the Latter-day Saints.